This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. Let's talk to Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig. Good afternoon. How are you? Very good. Of course, the big story of the day, the Chancellor announcing tens of billions in tax rises and spending cuts in his autumn statement earlier on. The headlines, I suppose you could say, well, energy firms are going to be paying an expanded windfall tax of now 35%. That's up from 25%. And the point at which the highest earners start paying the top rate of tax has been lowered as well. And there are plenty of other measures in what was a very long autumn budget speech. What stood out for you and also how have markets reacted, Craig? So the thing that stood out for me was that on the face of it, and don't get me wrong, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of research over the next 24, 48 hours into the real term implications of it. But on the face of it, the announcements didn't look as scary as the prospect of a, what was it, £60 billion fiscal black hole. And we were all warned that it's going to take some very difficult decisions. And on the face of it, like I said, the headlines uh, of the announcements don't look quite as terrifying as the warnings were. So I think that's the first thing. So politically, that could uh, be a positive thing, you could argue. And the market implications weren't severe as well. We've seen some volatility in the pound, but we haven't seen too much of a detrimental move. The pound is slightly lower on the day, so around 1% against the dollar, but the dollar overall is up close to 1%. So I think it's more of a greenback move, which is driving that in the broader markets than necessarily just a pound sterling move. The euro, for example, is only up around a third of 1% against the pound. And there was some slightly better inflation data out earlier from the EU. So that could potentially be what's driving that in the main. When we look at things like UK bond yields and bond yields overall in the broader market are higher and the pound is kind of moving. So the UK yields are moving kind of in unison uh, with what we're seeing there. You look at the expectations for interest rates and the expectation for the terminal rate is very slightly lower than it was pre-autumn statement. So now interest rates in the UK, the base rate is expected to rise to around 4.5%, which compared to before the statement is not too far below, but compared to where we were two months ago in the aftermath of the mini-budget, it's considerably less. Uh, So I think the markets have taken this relatively well, and I think it will probably become forever known because of the inflation environment right now is going to be a kind of um, a kind of tax rise and spending cut by stealth because I think what the research over the next couple of days will probably find in most cases is that spending and taxes have been imposed by inflation uh, in that you can increase spending, but if you increase it by much less than inflation, then you're in real terms de- reducing it. And if you are uh, not uh, necessarily raising taxes, but income tax thresholds, for example, aren't raising, then you're imposing a tax by uh, by stealth. The big takeaway, the big tax change was obviously on that top rate of tax, the 45% tax rate, where they reduced it from around 150,000 to around 125. And politically, again, that is going to probably be well received in the main because the vast majority of people aren't in that tax bracket. So they're not going to complain about the reduction that we saw there. So yeah, I think it feels like the government has played this one quite well. The markets have responded positively and I'm sure soon we'll find out how the public's responded. Yeah, because politically, which is what is very important, of course, for both the Chancellor and the Prime Minister with an election 
you know, just about two years away maximum, it's very important that it's not seen to be punishing those uh, lower owners. It seems to be the higher owners have been uh, obviously affected most by this. We've seen a, a rise in the national living wage. Uh, the triple lock has been maintained and uh, extra payments for pensioners and, and, and so on. Uh, the energy bills as well was uh, was quite interesting because the typical bill uh, rising at the moment to two and a half thousand pounds protected it's going to go up to three thousand pounds from uh, april so it, it looks like the the chancellor's played a bit of a blinder but more important to this is how the economy will go over the next uh, 18 months or so and how it will recover from what they've already said the obr that we're already in recession yeah, but I think everyone knew we were in recession already. We're just waiting for the data to ultimately confirm it. As you say, this was politically important. The Conservatives are way behind in the polls to Labour. I'm looking at a piece on Politico now, and you can see that uh, around Labour lies on around 49%, the Conservatives on 27%. That's much better than it was. Uh, if you look at where it was in the aftermath of the uh, nightmare budget of Trussonomics, then Labour on 52, Conservatives on 22. So that gap has reduced by uh, around eight points, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, rough, probably terrible maths off the top of my head. Um, but you, So you can see that while the, the performance has improved, there's still a considerable gap that still needs to ultimately be made up. This is going to be the first step towards that. Like I say, you can always look at these things on the face of it and try and make snap judgments, but it's the deep analysis which is going to tell us a lot more and there's going to be a lot of different groups and a lot of different banks and a lot of different institutions and obviously things like the BBC and everything who are going to be digging into different parts of that budget to see where where the truth ultimately lies. And then we'll obviously get an impression of what the public feels about it as well. And that's when we can get a, a real sense of what this ultimately means. But I always think the markets give you the best impression to begin with and the markets have taken those decisions quite well. Um, as far as the OBR is concerned, yes, those forecasts still look pretty dire, but it could have been much worse and it could still be better depending on how inflation performs. The inflation expectations are still pretty dire, uh, as we've seen from the Bank of England, but other also, other, also other institutions in recent weeks. But there are there is still a train of thought that inflation forecasts are completely uh, overplaying the uh, sustainability of high inflation and completely underplaying the impact of base effects and the impact of the recession in the UK and the cost of living and what impact that's going to have on inflation. And as we've seen over the last 12 months, inflation forecasts have been coming been getting wider and wider because it's become an increasingly difficult environment to try and anticipate the movements that we've seen in inflation. We've gone from a decade or so of very, very low inflation and stable inflation into a period of rapidly rising inflation, which makes obviously forecasting all the more difficult. So there's potential upside, upside surprises to potentially come for the economy as well as downsides. And it's going to be interesting to see now how this unfolds now that we do have the certainty that comes with the new autumn statement and the details with that that brings it's just a shame now from my perspective that we're gonna to have to wait almost three months for the bank of england's next assessment because this came after the uh, monetary policy report a couple of weeks ago rather than before it let's uh, move over to the other side of the atlantic uh, now craig and talk about the latest numbers from the united states uh, more specifically the latest employment and housing data what is the news with that so it was a, it's a weird mixed bag, I guess. 
The US economy has kind of been on two different paths over the course of this year as interest rates have been rising. You've got the property market, which has really struggled, uh, not because of delinquencies or anything like that, but more because, I mean, if you look in the US, for example, the vast majority of people on 30-year fixed-term mortgages uh, and therefore were not going to be immediately impacted by uh, rising interest rates. So what's really been hindered is like new sales, uh, more so than existing, uh, but more so than uh, existing house uh, owners. But if you look, for example, at the housing data, housing starts since around the springtime, around April, have just deteriorated from around 1.75 million, 1.77 million, down to around 1.43 million as per the data today. The building permits has been on a similar path since the start of the year. It peaked in February at 1.94 million. Today's figure fell to around 1.53 million. It has been deteriorating throughout that time. So higher interest rates has had a significantly detrimental impact on the housing market in the US. But then you look at the labour market and it tells you a very different story. You've got jobless claims, which came into that 222,000, really much in line with where they have been since December of last year when they appear to have bottomed and there's been fluctuations throughout that time. But really what we've stayed in is, is this 200 to 250,000 uh, region for jobless claims. And as long as they remain extremely low, then the unemployment rate isn't going to rise. We may get a little bit of extra slack in the labour market from a lack of lower jobs growth and lower job openings reported by JOLTS. But that's not going to create any significant slack in the labour market. And this is the difficult decision that the Fed now finds itself with. It's got a housing market which is significantly suffering and you've got a jobs market which is incredibly resilient and then you throw in the retail sales data that we got this week and again incredible resilience because people have built up enormous savings over the course of the pandemic which they're working their way through but still have plenty left so you've got an incredibly resilient economy an incredibly resilient labor market and a, a housing market which is really suffering so you've got this two-speed economy within the u.s right now that the fed is trying to balance when it's making these interest rate decisions and it will make those in decisions all the more interesting because on the one side you want to support the economy but on the other inflation could be very stubborn as a result of those other factors we saw some really positive inflation prints on the cpi and ppi this month but that was just one print and uh, the fed will want to see a lot more before it starts to uh, significantly uh, pair back its uh, rate hikes in the coming months even if it has already signaled it intends to in december so this data that we got today really did kind of sum up both aspects of what the difficulties facing the Fed right now. Craig Earlham in London, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you. This is the Oanda Podcast.